Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns, and thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. I know that you want your life to be part of a great story. Today, we complete part three of our look at Philip in the book of Acts and look at his great story in a lesson entitled, Follow the Call for the Long Haul. Let's go. Today we continue our start of the year theme of living free in 23, and we finish up the story of Philip today that we read in Acts chapter 6 and 7 and 8. And as we read through his story and, and talk about the, the, the things that happened to him, I'm reminding that we're all writing our own stories. And let's be honest, we all want to be part of a good story. If you're listening to this and I was able to ask you, would you want to be part of a good story or a mediocre story? Of course, you would want to be part of a good story. Perhaps you would even say, you know what? I want to be part of a great story. We love great stories. We love heroes. We love people that went above and beyond. Now, one of the things that makes a life story great is the duration, being a hero till the end, hanging in there when it is hard, overcoming obstacles or life redirection, because those are things that are unavoidable throughout our lives. And that's why the idea of regrouping again and again is so paramount. Not the creating of a fictitious story of greatness, but the ability to carry it on to the end. The ability to be uh, living free and being part of that great story until the end. While in the, process, in the context of letting God straightening our paths, as we looked at in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 last time. The title of the lesson today is Regrouping Again. And the two points today are listening to the call for the long haul. Listen to the call for the long haul. We spend much more time in our life regrouping, uh, navigating around challenging circumstances or roadblocks, unexpected occurrences, hurt feelings, and on and on, or really any change that comes our way. We have to navigate and, and work around. And we see this in Philip taking him, taking this on and doing it well and doing it again and again. My first thought on listening, listen to the call. So we go back and review a bit about Philip. In Acts chapter 6, when we first meet, meet him, he, uh, we find him described as a person with good reputation. You know, he was honest. He had some integrity. He followed through on what he said he would do, and he does it well. He believes in people around him. He thinks highly of them as well. He worked diligently, not to say he didn't have fun, but he had good boundaries and carried a good reputation amongst the people. Number two, he was full of the Spirit. He walked with his God. He resisted his sinful nature. Following Jesus was his priority, and he was full of love and faithfulness as he carried out Jesus' work in his life. Number three, he was also known to be full of wisdom. He was able to advise people in different circumstances. They would be able to answer their questions, be able to offer advice or mentoring. He was knowledgeable of his Bible at the time, which would be our Old Testament scripture. And he constantly worked to think what Jesus thought. I often wonder if he might have wore a WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? 
because I'm sure that was a thought that was common to him as well as many of the other Jesus followers in the day of what would Jesus do in this situation because they wanted to stay in line with Jesus's teaching. But underneath what we read in Acts chapter 6, we have a man that at one point in his life had picked up his cross. He picked up his cross to deny himself and to follow Jesus. He became a Jesus follower. Jesus's teachings were his guide and you know that's important. It's important to think about that and thinking thinking about the choices that he made in his life. It helps him to make these choices by giving him parameters. Not just able to go and do whatever he wanted to do, it gave him a path to follow by following Jesus's teachings. It also gave him principles to follow by giving him orientation and direction on that path. In other words, he was able to surrender his feelings and his opinions to God when circumstances didn't quite make sense to him. It also helped him navigate through change and disappointment, hurt and pride. It helped him to stay humble, but most importantly, it helped him to put his faith into practice again and again when something unexpected occurred. We see that throughout Philip's life. Back in Acts chapter 6, not sure what he was doing ahead of, ahead of that, but he was chosen to help meet the needs of the Hellenistic widows. He was willing to serve. He was like, sign me up. He was willing to do his part in the Jerusalem congregation. It was his part of the we church, the we church where everyone contributes to do their part, not just a top-down directive from someone, but where everybody offers their talents, where everybody has a, a runway to offer their skill sets and the things and their ideas that God has blessed them with. It was his part of the we church. This role would take more time and more effort, but he is, yeah, yes, please, please sign me up for that. I'm reminded of a scripture in John chapter 1 that I believe Philip embodies here. John writes about Jesus that in him was life, and the life was the light to men. In Jesus was life, and Jesus was the light of men. So if you were a Jesus follower at the time as Philip was, your life would in fact be a light of men. And it's the same for us today. But I believe that Philip embodied that scripture embodied Jesus being the light of men, and it showed time and time again. At the end of Acts chapter 7, we see his friend and, and spiritual brother Stephen murdered by religious leaders, and it sent shockwaves to the Jesus follower community. There's this man named Saul that was there. He wasn't only just giving approval to this murderer of Stephen. But as we read in Acts chapter 8 verse 3, he continues to, uh, with the intent to destroy, he continues to ravage the church in Jerusalem, to try to destroy it. So they weren't just going after Stephen, they were going after the whole church, breaking into people's home, grabbing them, tying them with ropes. You know, it wasn't a moment where he would knock on the door and ask, hey, can we come in? 
It wasn't a moment where he would say, oh, please come with me. The Bible teaches us that he was out to destroy the church. Another version would say he was ravaging the church. He was breaking into homes. Imagine someone breaking into your home tonight to grab you, to take you down to the prison. Dragging you, it said, as he uh, continued to grab people. It wasn't just to come with me, hold my hand. The Bible says that he was dragging people off to prison. It was a murderous, it was ravages, it was, it was destroying. And you can imagine how hard it must have been to see families getting torn apart. And I believe he would have killed them if he could have. Again, there wasn't any kind of please come with me, any kind of niceness coming from Saul as he sought to destroy the Jerusalem church in this moment. It would be called the great persecution. It would be really, really bad as people got drug off, as people were scattered around the land. People lost track of who went where. Where's my friend? Where's my children? Where did they go? People screaming into the night, scattering away from Jerusalem. It was a traumatic day. And a day, I believe, that Philip would have never forgotten. You know, you just don't forget traumatic moments. You don't forget traumatic moments. Those are the things that you, times you remember where you were, what were you were doing when something bad happened. And I believe it was just like that for Philip at the great persecution. He lands in Samaria. And if you read the Bible, it continues, and it seems like nothing had happened to him. He continues to reach out to the people that are around him to be a light to the community, and many people become Christians. There's a story of, of him and Simon the sorcerer. How did he do that? He has a memory. He has a memory. It's, it's only been a short time since his friend Stephen was murdered. And other people that he'd known were dragged off to jail and scattered to other places. I'm not sure all what he did, but you know, one thing that you can see is that he still has his cross. He is still following Jesus. He is still opting into the call of being a Jesus follower. That's the voice that's the loudest in his head, the call of Jesus is louder to him than any other ones that told him to run and hide. The call of Jesus was louder than the voice that told him to give up. It was louder than any doubts, and it was definitely louder than the voice that told him to shrink back. The call of Jesus was the loudest one in his head. So he had that going for him. But, you know, there's God's part, too. There's God's part in this as well. I'm reminded of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 41, where it says, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This is the part that's somehow sometimes hard for us to see. We kind of 
we, we get Philip and, and people-centric. In other words, he did this, or he did that, or she did this, or she did this, that, I, I did this, or I did that. But it is God that is helping to sustain. You know, it says, I will strengthen you. God strengthens us sometimes during the hardest moments of our lives, during those most difficult times. And those can be moments or those can be years. But God is with us and he strengthens us. God is with you and he can strengthen you. So for Philip, of course, you know, through this difficult memory, part of his ability to regroup in it when he landed in Samaria is one, choosing to opt in to Jesus' call. But not only that, but to let God sustain him. He chose to opt in to Jesus' call and let God sustain him. And thus, when he started his, the next day when the sun came up, it was business as usual. Because he was about being a Jesus follower. That's the same for us during those difficult moments. It's the same for us. Same choices available to us that when hard things come and we have to navigate one way or another, when God is trying to straighten our path, it is always up to us to opt in, to turn to the left and opt in, to turn to the right and opt in. When the detour sign is in front of us and we have to go to the right, we turn and we opt back in to Jesus. When unexpected things happen, we always have to opt in again to Jesus. But remember, a great life story isn't just one occurrence. We got to keep it going till the end. So point two is for the long haul. We listen to the call for the long haul. I'll pick it up in Acts chapter 8. In verse 26, and by the way, I'm reading out of the ESV version today. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, a queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Philip again listening to the call, leaving Samaria, going down to the desert road where he finds this Ethiopian. Listening to the call directed him right to the spot where the Ethiopian was. And it continues in verse 35. says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. This is after he has been chased out of Samaria, after the good news of Jesus has, has caused Stephen to be killed. The good news of Jesus has caused the church in Jerusalem to be scattered. It seems like there might be some doubt that if it's good news or not, since a number of bad things are happening. 
But in fact, the Bible does teach us that the news about Jesus is good news. It is good news. That is the news where there is hope. That is the news where there are answers. That is the news where there is security. That is the news that can sustain us. That is the news that is, in fact, good news. The angel of the Lord had called him to go somewhere else. A roadblock in Jerusalem sent him to Samaria, and now he's in Samaria in an unexpected detour. An unexpected detour that took him to a place called the Desert Road. Now that to me doesn't seem very exciting. He was in Jerusalem where there was a city and there's a a lot of people around and the church was incredible. And then he went to Samaria where there was people uh, becoming Jesus followers and they were uh, loving on each other and it was incredible. And there's a lot of people there to find himself on this desert road with one other guy. It seems like he might have thought a demotion happened. But Philip is not about that because he opts in to the call and he's opting in for the long haul. A fun place? No, a desert road. If you've ever driven in a desert, you just keep on driving because there's not much there to look at. But because he's listening to the call, that's how he's again able to navigate some difficult circumstances, changes that are thrown at him. He is sent here for just one guy, and he did it without complaining. And despite what Saul had caused, he considered the news of Jesus as good news. And the story goes on to verse 36. And it says, As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And it continues in chapter 9. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, any Jesus followers, man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Another change for Philip. Now the good news was that the Ethiopian, his one man that he ran into, in the desert road, was baptized. He became a Jesus follower. But then Philip is taken elsewhere. Why? Well, there's nobody else in the desert, so they took him to a new town. And eventually, he would land in Caesarea. So if you're following, he started in Jerusalem, went to Samaria, went down to the desert road, and went back up to Caesarea. If you looked on a map, it is like going from Virginia up to the state of New York, back down to South Carolina, back up to Canada. It is up and down many miles away and from each other. Meanwhile, Saul is still busy destroying the church. Saul was still out 
And now he had gone beyond Jerusalem. He had gone to other areas. Philip again may have found himself under threat, as many others may have been. So as Philip continued to share with the Ethiopian eunuch and land in Caesarea and sharing with all the towns on the way to there, Saul was out trying to stop him and to destroy the church. Now, I like a good movie, but one of my favorite features on a movie is when you have a really nice story. And then the story jumps ahead to 10 years later, 20 years later. So you can kind of see how the characters turned out or what happened to the characters in the movie. Harry Potter is like that. At the end of the last of of the eight movies, you find that it jumps ahead 10 years where Harry has married Jenny, and they have a child. Ron has married Hermione, and they have a child, and the the children are off to their very first days at Hogwarts. I love it when you get to see movies like that, because, again, you can see what happens down the road. Well, that's what's going to happen here. You see, the story of Philip stops at the end of Acts chapter 8. We've read about him in 6. We had the story of Stephen in chapter 7 and the story of Philip again in chapter 8. And that is the last we hear of him except for two sentences in Acts chapter 21. Something like 15 or 20 years go by. Philip continued to listen to the call. He over and over again needed to regroup and opt in to Jesus and trust that God was with him, strengthening with him. If he had a difficult day, he regrouped and opted in. If he had a roadblock, he regrouped and opted in. If there was a trauma, he regrouped and opted in. If there was a a closed door, he regrouped and opted in again and again and again to Jesus because he was listening to the call of Jesus for the long haul. And you might say, Phil, how, how do you know that? How do you know what happened? Well, during those 15 to 20 years before we get to Acts chapter 21, two things happened. One, this man Saul comes face to face with Jesus himself. And he, in fact, which is a whole other lesson, becomes a Jesus follower and is renamed Paul. And Paul goes and travels around to many, visiting many churches, strengthening the churches, sharing the good news himself that he had come to know. And in Acts chapter 21, the second things happen as we start reading in verse 7. When Paul and his friends, when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, verse 8 of chapter 21, on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Paul was in that group. The man Saul, who now had become Paul, was in that group who some 15, 20 years later, after ravaging the church, after seeking people out to destroy the Jesus follower movement, 
to destroy the way. He had, in fact, joined the Jesus followers. And he comes to stay at Philip's house. Philip, and presumably a wife, had managed to raise a family that was faithful during that time. He had managed to pass on faith, not doubt. He had managed to pass on the good news, not stale fellowship, not stale Christianity. He had passed on faith during some incredibly difficult times. He also managed to have this man that had formerly been involved in killing his friend, Stephen, and wreaking havoc through the community of faith, now was staying at his home. And by the way, it wasn't just a, yeah, you can sleep out in the garage outside for an overnight. No, that's not what it says. If you read the very next scripture, next verse, it says that he stayed for many nights. He stayed for a while. I revert back to John chapter 1, verse 4 that I read earlier, that Philip embodies, that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Philip was a Jesus follower, and he was the light of men. In Jesus is life, not doubt, not fear, not avoidance, not withdrawal. In him is life. Again, the call of Jesus was the loudest voice in Philip's head. And this gave him a freedom to regroup and opt in. Regroup and opt in time and time again. All the while believing that God was strengthening him every day. That's the challenge for you and me. To regroup and opt in when there's a roadblock. To regroup and opt in when you have a bad day. To regroup and opt in when you're feeling guilty. To regroup and opt in when there is an unexpected change. For you to consider, what is your spiritual fortitude? When fear and doubt come, what is your response? Maybe take some time to journal that. Maybe take some time to think about that and to consider that. To look at Philip and to think about the fortitude that he had in those difficult moments. And think about yours. One thing that helps me is just taking some notes at a worship service. It helps me to opt in because I, I listen more than just for entertainment purposes. I, I listen to try to apply what is being taught. Many times I actually don't go back to the notes, but sometimes I do. But regardless, in the moment, they help me definitely apply and think about what is being said, to jot down the thought that hits me the deepest. And number three, our challenge, 
is to be the light of men. Through service, through helping others, helping in need, and invitation of inviting someone with you, a friend, a coworker, to a worship service. Inviting someone with you. That's part of opting in to Jesus. A challenge for you is to listen to the call for your long haul. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit us on our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.